European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 40, Issue 5, Focus Issue on Valvular Heart Disease, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, and read to you by James Neenan. Catheter-based management of valvular heart disease is on the move, from TAVI to MitraClip, CardioBand, and tricuspid interventions. The treatment of valvular heart disease was traditionally the domain of cardiac surgeons. However, during the last decade, catheter-based valve interventions, starting with transarterial aortic valve implantation, or TAVI, then MitraClip, and more recently percutaneous mitral valve replacement and experimental tricuspid valve procedures, became increasingly important in this patient population. The most recent developments are summarized in The Year in Cardiology 2018 Valvular Heart Disease by Wojakowski and colleagues from the Silesian School of Medicine in Katowice, Poland. In 2018, publications on valvular heart disease addressed epidemiology, diagnosis, therapy, and predictors of outcome, but were dominated by studies on transcatheter treatment. Most importantly, Two pivotal studies investigated the mitroclip in secondary mitral regurgitation with divergent results that are discussed in depth. In aortic stenosis, there is a trend towards the expansion of indications for TAVI to intermediate and low-risk groups, to bicuspid aortic valves, and failed surgically implanted bioprostheses. Tricuspid edge-to-edge interventions are being investigated as isolated tricuspid valve surgery has a high risk and is currently rarely performed. The future of these interventions is further discussed in the review Transcatheter Heart Valve Interventions – Where Are We? Where Are We Going? by Euroan J. Bax and colleagues from Leiden University Medical Center in Leiden, the Netherlands. The authors remind us that technological advances extended TAVI to younger or lower-risk patients and those with other forms of valvular heart disease such as tricuspid and mitral regurgitation. The balance of risks and benefits is likely to differ between lower and higher risk patients, and more evidence is needed to evaluate the net benefit of TAVI in these groups. Thus, all stakeholders should collaborate to evaluate these broader indications for TAVI. It is essential to address 1. Device durability and deliverability, 2. Specific anatomical characteristics, for example, bicuspid aortic valves, aortic, mitral, and tricuspid regurgitation. Three, operator training. And four, the reinforced importance of the multidisciplinary heart team. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled Outcomes of Transcatheter Mitral Valve Replacement for Degenerated Bioprostheses, Failed Annuloplasty Rings, and Mitral Annular Calcification, Raj Makar and colleagues from Cedars-Sinai Heart Institute in Los Angeles, California, USA, sought to evaluate 521 patients with mean STS score of 9.0 plus or minus 7.0%, 
the outcomes of transcatheter mitral valve replacement in degenerated bioprostheses, valve in valve, failed annuloplasty rings, valve in ring, and severe mitral annular calcification, valve in mitral valve calcification. Overall technical success was excellent at 87.1%. However, left ventricular outflow tract obstruction occurred more frequently after valve-in-mitral-valve calcification compared to valve-in-valve. Second valve implantation was more frequent in valve-in-ring compared to valve-in-mitral-valve calcification and valve-in-ring. Accordingly, Technical success rate was the highest in the valve-in-valve group, followed by valve-in-ring and valve-in-mitral-valve calcification groups. However, valve-in-ring had more frequent post-procedural mitral regurgitation of moderate degree or more, and subsequent paravalvular leak closure. The one-year all-cause mortality was significantly higher in the valve-in-mitral-valve calcification compared to the two other groups. On multivariable analysis, the type of procedure, valve-in-ring versus valve-in-valve, with a hazard ratio of 1.99, valve-in-mitral-valve calcification versus valve-in-valve, with a hazard ratio of 5.29, and post-procedural mitral regurgitation of moderate or severe degree, with a hazard ratio of 1.72, were associated with mortality. Thus, Transcatheter mitral valve replacement for degenerated bioprostheses provided excellent outcomes in high-risk patients. However, valve-in-ring and valve-in-mitral valve calcification were associated with higher rates of adverse events and mid-term mortality compared with valve-in-valve. This important experience with these novel interventions is put into context in an interesting editorial by Francesco Mezzano and Maurizio Taramasso from the University Hospital in Zurich, Switzerland. In their fast track, comparison of balloon expandable versus self-expandable valves in patients undergoing transfemoral transcatheter aortic valve implantation from the Center collaboration, Ronak de Levy and colleagues from the Academical Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, compared outcomes of patients with a Euroscore of 15% undergoing transfemoral TAVI with balloon expandable valves versus self-expandable valves from 10 registries and trials. The population included 6,239 undergoing TAVI with balloon expandable and 6,142 patients with self-expandable valves. At 30-day follow-up, mortality rates were not statistically different in patients between the two groups. However, stroke occurred more frequently in those with self-expandable valves. Also, they had a 2.5-fold higher risk of pacemaker implantation, whereas those treated with balloon-expandable valves more frequently experienced major and life-threatening bleedings. Thus, with similar mortality with both valve types, stroke and pacemaker implantation occurred more frequently with self-expandable valves, while major bleedings were more common with balloon-expandable valves. 
mortality at 30 days was not statistically different in patients treated with self-expandable valves compared with balloon-expandable valves. This study was a propensity-matched analysis generated from observational data, and accordingly, current outcomes will have to be confirmed in a large-scale randomized controlled trial. In spite of its prognostic importance, and the availability of specific risk scores, mitral regurgitation is still not fully recognized by currently practicing physicians. While mitroclip treats insufficient leaflet coaptation, it does not, unlike surgery, reduce the enlarged mitral annulus. The cardioband is a novel transcatheter implant designed to reduce mitral annulus size and mitral regurgitation severity that is still under evaluation. In their article, Transcatheter Mitral Valve Repair for Functional Mitral Regurgitation Using the Cardioband System, One-Year Outcomes, David Messica Zaytoun and colleagues from the University of Ottawa Heart Institute in Ontario, Canada, report the one-year outcomes of 60 consecutive patients who underwent the procedure. There were two in-hospital deaths, none of which were device-related, one stroke, two coronary artery complications, and one tamponade. Anchor detachment observed in 10 patients, all but one in the first half of the population, resulted in device inefficacy in five patients and led to device modification halfway through the study. Technical device and procedural successes were 97%, 72%, and 68%, respectively. One-year survival, survival free of readmission for heart failure, or free of reintervention, were 87%, 66%, and 78% respectively. Overall, mitral regurgitation at 12 months was moderate or less in 61%. Functional status, quality of life, and exercise capacity all improved. Thus, the cardioband system demonstrated reasonable feasibility and safety. These initial findings are further discussed in an editorial by Yaron Shapira from the Rabin Medical Center at Bailenson Hospital in Petah Tikva, Israel. Tricuspid regurgitation has a dismal outcome, and, as recently discussed, its management remains uncertain. In their meta-analysis, Tricuspid regurgitation is associated with increased mortality independent of pulmonary pressures and right heart failure. Nelson Wang and colleagues from the University of Sydney in Australia evaluated the influence of tricuspid regurgitation severity on mortality. Overall, 32,601 patients followed up over three years were analysed. Moderate or severe tricuspid regurgitation was associated with a twofold increased total and cardiac mortality. This remained significant when adjusted for systolic pulmonary arterial pressures or right ventricular dysfunction. Moderate slash severe tricuspid regurgitation was also associated with increased heart failure hospitalization. 
Compared to patients with no tricuspid regurgitation, patients with mild, moderate, and severe tricuspid regurgitation had a progressively increased risk of all-cause mortality, with hazard ratios of 1.25, 1.61, and 3.44, respectively. These findings are put into context in an editorial by Maurizio Taramasso from the University Hospital in Zurich, Switzerland. This issue is complemented by various discussion fora. In their contribution entitled Acute Hemolysis After Transcatheter Mitral Valve Implantation, Julien Ternacle and colleagues from the Henri Mondor Hospital in Créteil, France, commented on the recently published paper Clinical and Hemodynamic Outcomes of Balloon Expandable Transcatheter Mitral Valve Implantation, a seven-year experience, by Dominique Imbert and colleagues from the Bichat Hospital in Paris, France. In another contribution, Outcome after Transvascular Transcatheter Aortic Valve Implantation in 2016, a closer look, Armin Veltz and colleagues from the Universitätsklinikum Bonn in Germany discussed the recently published paper Outcome after transvascular transcatheter aortic valve implantation in 2016 by Helga Müllmann and colleagues from the St. Johannes Hospital in Dortmund, Germany. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers. <laughs>